Hello, and welcome to episode four of School Nutrition Dietitian. Today, I'm honored to interview Chef Ann Cooper. She's a celebrated author, chef, educator, and an enduring advocate for better food for all children. She's been working as a chef for over 35 years, and more than 20 of those have been spent in school nutrition. Today, she brings us not only her unique perspective on what still needs to change in the world of child nutrition, but she also brings us resources that districts can access to bring them one step closer to aligning their district with Anne's vision of feeding children fresh, delicious, and nourishing food every day. Let's jump right in. Nutrition dietitian here on a mission to show you fruits and vegetables can be super delicious. Eating healthy keeps you healthy on the inside. Keep your stomach satisfied and keep a clear mind. Now you're ready for your academics. Focus time to handle business. Breakfast you don't want to miss it. Help your body to replenish. Clean food, clear mind. That is the vision. Tune in to the school nutrition dietitian. Chef Anne, thank you so much for joining me. My pleasure. I'm really happy to be here. I'm really excited to have you on. Once I started really digging into your bio and looking at the foundation website, I got a little overwhelmed. Like it's hard to know where to even start because your experience covers a wide range of topics and a good chunk of time. So why don't we just start with how you got into Nuchen, in the first place, what sparks your interest in food? Why did you want to be a chef? Well, two different things, why I wanted to be a chef and how I got into nutrition. So when I was 20 years old, I was living in Telluride, Colorado, being a ski bum, and I needed to support myself, and I got offered a job as an assistant breakfast cook and just fell in love with food and cooking. And eventually, four years later, went to the Culinary Institute of America and from there, I was on cruise ships, did a couple of world cruises, and you know now it's uh, more than 45 years later. So I've spent my entire life as a chef and a cook. But I got into school food 20 years ago, and kind of by accident, I'd written four books, but one was Bitter Harvest. And it really started to look at why food makes us sick, and who owns the food supply, and how anyone can own the food supply. And I got asked to apply for a job at a school. I was asked to take over a school. And I initially said, no, I'm not a lunch lady. And they (laughs) said, come and see. This is something really special. And so I did, and I got my first school food job 20 years ago. Wow. And the books, so the books came before school nutrition, or at least the first one. Yeah, the first three came before I did school food. And even getting to that point, that must have been an interesting transition. What made you realize that you had so much information to share, you really needed to put it down in printed form? Well, the first book was called A Woman's Places in the Kitchen, The Evolution of Women Chefs. And I had the idea for it when I was still in culinary school, and I felt like I had spent my entire entire career, my entire life, thinking that, you know, women should have a place and, you know, hating the term barefoot and pregnant and 
you know, and and then all of a sudden I realized that um, women really did have a place in the kitchen and women were really responsible for so much of the culinary world that we know today, but there were no professional women chefs. When I went to culinary school in 1977, there were only three women in my class and there were no female culinary instructors. So the world was a very different place and that's how I thought about writing my first book. Oh, that's really interesting. I know that where I work, it seems like food service is very mixed gender-wise, but I'm not really familiar with more of the formal end of it. Have you seen a shift? Are there more professional female chefs than, well, I know there are more than there were in the past. Do you think we're where we need to be? Well, there's certainly more than there were when I came out of culinary school. Um, it's certainly not 50%. So I think that there's still room for improvement. Right. That makes sense. There's, <laughs> as with so many things. So I right. see in addition to working hands-on in the kitchen, you've also branched into speaking. We've already spoken about the books that you've authored. What types of speaking engagements do you take on? What's your general mission when it comes to reaching out to the public through public speaking? You know, it really depends what the event is and what the organizers are looking for. A lot of times it's sort of motivational. Uh, sometime, and it, usually it's under the umbrella of school food or healthy food or kids and food, something like that. But it's really what the audience is looking for. So sometimes it's really specific to getting scratch cooked food in schools. Sometimes it's about motivating people to work in their own communities to get better food for kids. Um, a lot of tricks. But it's all, at the end of the day, it's all about kids eating healthier and being healthier. So when you look at improvements that we need in child nutrition, you're looking beyond just school nutrition. You're also looking at what the community as a whole needs to do for children. Absolutely. So as far as how we're doing in school nutrition, what steps do you still see that need to be made? What is your current personal vision for school nutrition? Well, first of all, we have to stop the current administration rolling back the guidelines or softening them or weakening them or whatever, you know, terms you want to use. Coming out of the Obama administration, we had a pretty good path to healthier food in schools. And some of that has slid backwards. And I think that that's really unfortunate. And I hope we can regain the ground we've lost. Uh, something that just happened in the last week or so is that the with the administration's new budget, they're considering cutting 3 million people off SNAP, formerly known as food stamps. And an unintended consequence of that is that half a million or more kids who currently get free and reduced meals in school because they're direct certified, will no longer be direct certified. And now there's just one more barrier to feeding hungry kids. So, you know, I I really believe that we need to make the health of our kids a priority for our entire nation. Right. I definitely agree. I guess where people start to differ is how we do that. 
So since sometimes we're still trying to get the minimum calories in, how do we prioritize the quality of the food when we're just trying to get the calories? Is it that we really shouldn't be looking looking at them as two separate objectives? No, I think they're the same objective. I think it's not just about calories. I think there has to be quality calories. I mean, you know, a bag of potato chips is 100 calories or more, you know. Getting kids to eat potato chips not be the goal, you know. Instead of 100 calories of potato chips, let's give them 100 calories of and fruits and vegetables. So I, I don't think that those goals should be divergent, and I think they're very compatible. And I think we need to work both to make sure that hungry kids have food, but that the quality of the food is as high as possible. That's a really good way to explain it. I like that. That makes it very clear that quality is essential when you phrase it that way. So what does high quality food mean to you from the culinary perspective? Well, what we really think, and this is you know my personal opinion and, and really part of the vision of the foundation, is that we want to serve kids scratch-cooked food, and this means food cooked from whole ingredients, eliminating as much as possible any highly processed ingredients. So, for instance, you know, instead of serving a kid chicken nuggets, let's serve them roast chicken thigh. You know, instead of serving kids some really highly processed chain pizza, if you want to serve pizza, make real pizza. Instead of serving canned fruit cocktail, Serve the have salad bars and have the kids get fresh fruits and vegetables at lunch every day. Instead of serving chocolate milk, serve organic white milk. I mean, there's we just need a kid feed kids real food made from real ingredients. Now, what sorts of obstacles do people generally report when? you present the idea of scratch cooking to them. I know in our district, we worry about the skill set of our employees has completely changed from what it was a generation ago. People were familiar with cooking. Uh, Everybody was at least a home cook at a minimum, and that's not the case anymore. But beyond that, what objections or what obstacles do people bring up? You know, there's really five major obstacles that anybody making changes towards scratch cooking has to overcome. Food, where are we going to get it and make sure it's good? Finances, how do we pay for it? Facilities, what do you do if you don't have kitchens? Human resources, how do you get everybody trained, you know, to your point? And marketing and education, how do you get the kids to eat it if you've overcome the first four? So in some way, we all have to deal with all, with that set of issues. And some of us might be further along in some areas than others. I mean, some school districts might have great kitchens, but might need training. Some school districts might have trained cooks, but really need to work on marketing and education to the students and the parents. So there's, you know, those are the five major areas and we all need to slowly, but together work on them. Right. What is the best way to get started if a district is interested in more scratch cooking? Are you saying we should be looking at purchasing like a whole chicken and processing that or already frozen, but just a whole chicken with no additional ingredients like in your previous example? 
You know, it really depends where the school district is at. There's not a silver bullet and there's not one size fits all. You know, if as a first step, if you wanted to move from chicken nuggets to bone-in chicken, depending on the skill set of your staff and the equipment you have, you might decide to use a clean label pre-cooked chicken that you don't have to, that's already cooked, but that you can put your own sauce on or put your own flavor profile on and just heat it up to temp. That might be the first step depending on the equipment and the skill set. And if you get a staff that to understand how to do that, to be able to receive the chicken and have it defrosted and make a sauce to go on it or even put a sauce on it and get the temp and serve it to the kids, that could be a whole year just getting that system done. And then the following year, you might move to a frozen raw product. And then the following year, you might move to a fresh raw product. So, you know, depending on where you are, there's a path that you would move towards. It's a continuum. Now, when it comes to taste, what do we lose when we're not doing scratch cooking? Because I know there are a lot of really fantastic products out there that are convenient. And even in home use now, it's common for people to say they're cooking, feel like they're cooking, and they're really just retherming. What are we losing if we're not doing it from fresh? Well, it depends what the product is. But by and large, most of the value-added products are processed, and some of them very highly processed. So it's not so much what you're losing, but the unintended consequence. So if you buy... uh, if you buy a packaged uh, pasta sauce, you know, and it, you might be able to get a really lovely packaged pasta sauce, but most of them are very high in sodium. They might have numerous other ingredients to keep them fresh. And, or you could make a tomato sauce from scratch and you get to control all of the ingredients that are in, in it. You to, control everything that goes in it, the salt level, the flavor profile. So cooking from scratch not only helps to eliminate highly processed ingredients and ingredients of concern that we may not want to consume, but it also allows us the flexibility to change flavor profiles. And that's something I'm really interested in because I think people interested in nutrition are familiar with the ingredients that you don't want that are hard to control for when you're buying something that's already prepared. But I don't think as many people know about the benefit of having control over the flavor profiles and how that could possibly help with inventory management and um, serving things in your inventory in different ways. So is that something that you can speak a little bit more about? Yeah, I mean, just to give you, to go back to my chicken example, if you're buying a prepackaged, you know, processed chicken, you could might be able to get an Asian flavor or, you know, a Mexican flavor. But if you're getting a raw, even if it's pre-cooked chicken product, you could make it, you know, 10 different kinds of Asian or you could do Mexican, but maybe you want to do Peruvian or maybe you want to do Southwest or, you know, you can 
take the one product, the chicken, and turn it into 10 different menu items. And I think that with different profiles, and that helps us to be able to interact with different ethnicities in our school, uh, kids coming from different demographics, and with one product. Um, And I think that that really helps with inventory control management and also really helps us to increase participation because we're really giving kids um, flavors that they may be very used to. Hmm. That's a really exciting idea. So when it comes to concerns that people have about cost as an obstacle and waste, if you maybe are afraid your kids won't accept what you're doing, playing around with the flavor profiles, I see could be one way you could try and control for that. Absolutely. Now, what sorts of resources does the foundation have available to support districts in reaching the vision? Can you say a little bit more, too, about what the mission and the vision of the foundation is? So the mission and vision of the Chef Ann Foundation is to support school districts all across the country to serve healthy scratch-cooked food to their students, to serve healthier, delicious food to their students. But we really want to support school districts cooking from scratch. And that might be speed scratch and it might be somewhere on the continuum. But we want to get away from processed foods. As far as resources, the biggest resource that the foundation has is Lunchbox, which is a web portal that has almost 400 explodable recipes that includes the nutritionals, costings, pictures. It's really great to be able to look up uh, and utilize recipes from the lunchbox. We also have manuals on marketing to kids. We have all kinds of information on procurement. We have manuals on doing salad bars and iron chef competitions for kids. It's really a comprehensive manual on everything that you want to know in school food using real ingredients. Additionally, on the Chef Ann website, we have our granting program where we grant salad bars to schools. We have a program called the School Food Institute that has 11 online courses. We have another project called Get Schools Cooking where school districts apply for a three-year assessment and planning grant to help them move with technical assistance from wherever they are towards a more scratch-cooked environment. How would you define the difference between speed scratch and just scratch? Uh, so let's uh, let's do a simple, you know, continuum. Uh, spaghetti and marinara sauce. So a fully scratch cooked meal would mean you would make the pasta sauce from scratch, not necessarily fresh tomatoes, but canned tomatoes, but making the sauce from scratch cooking it down, adding your flavors, beautiful tomato sauce, cooking your pasta from scratch, and that's a complete scratch-cooked meal. However, speed scratch might be buying a canned or frozen tomato sauce product and using that with fresh-cooked pasta. Or you could buy even a frozen cooked pasta and add a fresh tomato sauce. So it's taking part of an item and using a value-added product to 
help you finish it and maybe even give you some uh, variability with flavor profiles, but maybe not cook every piece of it. Uh, okay. Thank you. I hear that term all the time, and I just wanted to get another clear definition because probably different people are understanding that different ways. So it sounds like there's really a lot of support that the foundation is available for people who maybe have limited funding and want to get started with offering more fresh fruits and vegetables with the salad bar. So when are those opportunities open? Should we be looking at the beginning of the year or they're available all year? So applying for salad bars, you can do that anytime. Uh, And we grant salad bars all throughout the year, but the largest proportion of salad bars that we grant usually happens uh, in January. So I would recommend that once schools get open and the dust settles a little bit is a great time to apply for salad bars. Okay, fantastic. That's a great tip. And as for as far as a lunchbox goes, are all of these resources available to the public? Is there a monthly membership fee or which ones of these tools are available for everyone and which ones are premium? So everything on the lunchbox itself and on the salad bar website, Uh, are absolutely free. There's only one of all of our tools that has a cost, and that's the School Food Institute. So classes actually cost money. Um, We do have scholarships available, however, but everything else is free and in the public domain. Okay, that's great to know. So what is different about the School Food Institute? So I'm sure that if there has to be a premium for it, a lot of time went into developing it. What is it? Who's intended audience? The intended audience of the School Food Institute is school food professionals and advocates that are working in the school food arena and maybe government officials as well and even very passionate parents. But it is done at a pretty high professional level. There's 11 courses currently. We will be making more. They range, uh, most of them are 90-minute courses, uh, except for School of One, which is uh, two and a half hours, I think. And they're taken online. They include homework. They include um, different questions to answer. Uh, a test at the end. We have, they are credited under the USDA as part of uh, certification now with the professional development. And they're very intensive, um, individualized learning experiences for people who want to learn more about school food, have certain interests, or just really care about what we're feeding our kids. In your opinion, is it possible for the food we offer in schools to parallel what you might get in a higher-end restaurant, or is that just outside of our reach because of budget constraints and, you know, human resources constraints? Well, I'm not sure that we're trying to mirror high-end restaurants, but what I can say is it's totally within school food reach to serve healthy, delicious food based on whole ingredients. Mm. And it's totally within our reach to serve, you know, bulk organic milk and salad bars in every school and hormone and antibiotic-free meats and chickens and 
fresh fruits and vegetables, all that's within our reach. Whether we're ever going to make meals that are the same as a restaurant that has 10 cooks in the kitchen, you know, I, I don't think that that's reason. But healthy, delicious food, absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on. Is there a final thought you would like to leave everyone with or a message that you hope would reach all districts in the U.S.? Yes, I think really important for us all to remember is that it should be a birthright in our country that every child every day has healthy, delicious food in school and no child is ever hungry. And that should be all of our mantras. That should be what we all work towards. That's what I think we should all be doing. Thank you so much for coming on. I totally agree. My pleasure. If you missed any of the resources that Chef Ann mentioned, don't worry if you're driving again, no problem. I have taken notes for you. If you subscribe to the mailing list, you will have access to those every time a new episode is released. And the show notes will always contain links that are referenced in the episode. So the lunchbox.org and chefandfoundation.org, all of those will be hyperlinked in the notes. Thanks again for joining me. See you next week. School nutrition dietitian here on a mission to show you fruits and vegetables can be super delicious. Eating healthy keeps you healthy on the inside. Keep your stomach satisfied and keep a clear mind. Now you're ready for your academics. Focus, time to handle business. Breakfast, you don't want to miss it. Help your body to replenish. Clean food, clear mind. That is the vision. Tune in to the school nutrition dietitian. Whoop.